everybody, welcome back to the third episode of the Audacity of Tech. Right into it, we're going to just, I mean, I don't really have anything else to talk about as far as the podcast goes, so I'm just going to go right into the most notable news, possibly. Windows 11, we finally have a reason why we need TPM 2.0 for the operating system to run, aka why you need a new computer or a new processor or something. It's not particularly because Windows wants you to buy new devices, or Microsoft wants you to buy new devices, although that possibly could be a portion of it, but you know, that's just company business kind of stuff. It's always a conspiracy theory. Not really the scope of the show necessarily. But one of the fundamental reasons is TPM chips and modern chips have something called virtual virtualization compatibility, which is basically the ability to, okay, so typically when people hear that and they're not exactly experienced in technology or something, if they know a tiny bit, what they usually think about is virtualization is for things like servers or for things like business-oriented systems, uh, some, uh, something where you have a computer that's businesses like that will have, so will use virtualization to create VMs or virtual machines. So you can have five or six people, maybe more, hosted on one physical system, but that system is spread apart across all these different people. And usually that's what virtualization is used for. But Windows 10 began using virtualization to lock specific apps into like a virtualized window or into a virtualized system. There's a, a very, very basic explanation of how that works. And what that allows is something called virtualization-based security. And Windows 11 is planning on running, from what I understand, basically all on vir virtualization-based security. Windows 10 was just an option and it wouldn't run everything like that. Windows 11, I guess, is planning on running everything under that virtualization-based security. And what it does is it protects things like the underground, like not the underground, but the like the behind the scenes of your desktop or the behind the scenes of your computer, things like firmware and memory and the the bi or not necessarily the BIOS, the um the registry of your computer. Usually we're really delicate port I don't I wanna call it delicate portions of your computer are around and something like ransomware typically is what gets in there first. It gets into the registry or something or it gets into the, the memory where it's not supposed to be. It kind of uses exploits of systems or something and it allows it to very quickly go through your system and do something like what ransomware typically does and that's encrypting all of your files with, with or without an actual encryption key using virtualization it kind of locks it into its own or is supposed to lock it into its own kind of what you'd almost want to consider as a virtualized app so it doesn't really have access to everything else it only has access to what windows gives it which is not exactly a large portion and specific things namely windows apps probably which might be why windows is trying to create kind of one app for everything i'm wondering uh, Windows apps typically probably won't be virtualized like that just because they won't need to be or because they will be given the, the wider access of everything. This could cause an issue for uh, developers of some form, people who are trying to run custom scripts or custom programs or something and they don't have access to something that they might have on an older version of Windows. So just want to put that out there, this might cause an issue for some people. However, old 
CPUs and old processors don't typically have access to virtualization technology like this. And usually a TPM chip kind of goes alongside that where it is the trusted platform module is what TPM stands for. So it's, I mean, if you break it down, it uses a module to trust a platform that's extremely basic, but it allows virtualization like that. So it in theory would allow Windows to create a much, much more secure operating system. Now, I have had systems that for the last five years at least have had access to this kind of technology because Windows 10 uses virtualization based security. You can turn it on if you have a newer chip. However, I've never once ran into this issue, even back before I was experienced with computers. Um, this might be considered more for large um, companies or large like organizations or something where typically ransomware would try to target more so than just the individual. Typically ransomware tries to target large businesses or large corporations because they have a lot of devices and the more devices one, one piece of ransomware can hit at a time the better. So typically company, or, uh, not companies, necessarily, organizations that give out ransomware won't go to just one person or just one like random laptop of a college student. They're gonna be trying to hit the entire college or the entire business so TPM might be more recommended, or sorry, more intended for businesses like that. But it's it's hard to say really, because again, technically, yes, it will make everything more secure, but whether or not it's particularly needed is gonna be a whole nother um, story. It's just gonna be difficult to say really. And because of this, it's requiring a lot of people to buy new hardware or to turn on virtualization. Some people don't have it on I don't know why. I don't know a reason why not to have it on. There probably is a reason. Um, I've never turned it off myself because I, I use virtualization stuff regularly. I, I run virtual machines on my own computers so I can host servers or I can host, um, or I just use virtualization sometimes for testing. So I've had mine on all the time. I always have my virtualization based security turned on. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess. Microsoft should have said this in the first place. A, a lot of people are saying the same thing. Microsoft really should have let the people know of, hey, you need TPM 2.0, 1.2 isn't enough um, because of X, Y, Z, like all these reasons specifically of, hey, it makes your system more secure. It does this specifically. It virtualizes apps. And even, even explaining this on an extremely basic level normal people will understand it or go oh okay this is for a security purpose or this will keep me safe and my firmware safer which means that because if your firmware gets infected or corrupted you basically have to buy a new lap a, a new laptop desktops not exactly the case it kind of depends um but usually laptops if something happens on that end from what i understand there's basically nothing that's fixable there so firmware protection is great and a lot of people recommend it myself included um and if you don't really, if I don't want to say if you're inexperienced, but if you're not 100% uh, confident in yourself with the internet, such as like, or, or somebody else you know, so like your grandparents, you might not really understand um, like false download sites and pop-ups and usually things that will give you viruses or will give you scams, some kind of phishing attack, something like that. Um, this could be considered to be intended more for them because stuff like this might not be as 
effective against a Windows 11 or system similar to it. However, most people who, I don't want to be mean and say common sense, but most people who look at something and are at least somewhat experienced with the internet of things will probably know better. And a lot, I actually don't know anybody who has had that issue of like, I mean, everybody I know is more or less knowledgeable about the internet of things and knowing how to safely download something and which sites to avoid and how to tell if something's sketchy or not. So we've never really had that issue. So I can't really speak from experience of, hey, this is important. But I guess I could see for companies or somebody who doesn't have time to train somebody on this kind of thing and they might not know about it, like especially the older people who are still, I don't want to say new to this kind of topic, but they're not exactly experienced compared to the average um, IT user of some form. And there, there's definitely a lot more categories of people that are definitely affected by this kind of thing. It is a very real threat having uh, ransomware and firmware, uh, I think they're called rats or worms or something. I don't remember exactly what it's called, but there's, there's a specific term for the kind of virus that does that. Um, that, that, that roots itself down in the registry of your computer, which you don't really have access to yourself. It's kind of a Windows thing. Um, Windows itself handles registry, creates the registry, modifies it, whatever, and it is possible to create a script that can go into the registry, assuming it's unprotected, and modify things, crash your computer, unlock it, open what would be called backdoors to hackers or something. like. It, it is very possible to do that kind of thing. Not particularly easy, but possible to somebody who knows what they're doing. So I can see the reason for TPM, I suppose. It's gonna be tedious that we all have to buy new, that a lot of people will have to buy new desktops. There are still people who are finding modern hardware, myself included, won't work with Windows 11, which is curious. It's probably, it could be a bug for now, because again, it's not technically out yet. Windows 11, I'll say again, doesn't come out until the end of this summer and won't be released on official like laptops in Best Buy or something like that until probably around Christmas. They estimated around the end of 2021. So I'm estimating they're gonna have them out by Christmas because they're gonna want people to buy these by Christmas. Uh, that's gonna be evident, I think. Um, this is definitely gonna be the flesh of the new series because now, oh, well, everybody's gonna need new computers and they're all gonna get them for Christmas. So that's that's my, or sorry, Xmas, I suppose. I censor myself for those who are not exactly okay with that. And it's, I don't know, it's interesting how that would work, but it, it should, it should in theory help a lot more. And I, I guess it, it kind of pushes, cause you know, there's always those people that's like, oh, my computer isn't powerful enough for X, Y, and Z, which I guess makes sense because I, it's not really a problem in a lot of situations, but sometimes it's an issue of why can't you do this? Oh, well, my computer's seven years old and I can't. So I guess this will kind of force people who aren't um, technologically savvy to like install something like Linux to upgrade which I don't really agree with, but I mean, it's, it's hard to disagree with something. It, it, it feels like it's, it feels like it's doing the, the right thing for the right reason, I guess I want to say like, or, or doing, I don't know how to, how to describe it. I, I don't know if I want to say doing the wrong thing for the right reason or doing the right thing for the wrong reason. Cause technically, yes, upgrading systems or forcing upgrades of systems for security is technically a good thing, but 
it's also not a great thing because now you're kind of taking away that choice and again it, it's like it feels like the resolution would just be just leave windows 10 the way it is because technically there is virtualization based security what we've been discussing built into windows 10 i have it turned on myself um but again it only works for modern hardware it's it's the same idea like only the new hardware that will work with windows 11 has the security built in already to windows 10. so it feels like it'd be possible to just kind of leave windows 10 um well but i guess that still doesn't really resolve the issue for people having outdated hardware because then they still can't use that on windows 10. so it's just another it's just one issue after the next and everything gets more and more complicated it's just kind of difficult to say whether or not they should go through with the change or they shouldn't um i guess they're going through with it so you can't really say that they can't but it's also not really feasible to say no you shouldn't upgrade because of security it just doesn't really i mean i guess everybody needs to upgrade that's pretty much i guess where we're leaving it windows finally gave us a reason again they probably should have gave us a reason immediately instead of being oh look new hardware uh you need tpm 2.0 but hey flashy windows 11 uh, I've, heard, I've heard that said other places quite a bit but as a professional company like them they really probably should or could have and definitely should have explained why because especially for people who don't understand what tpm is or what virtualization based security is for they could basically go hey upgrade your hardware or you can't use windows 11 why can't you use windows 11 because it's a security risk for yourself and others so we're just not gonna allow it I guess, especially considering people who don't, un like, if, if you look, categorize the people who don't understand what TPM is, but the same people who wouldn't know how to do something like install Linux, they're not going to leave Windows. They're going to have to stick with Windows because it's simple enough. So either go to Apple or uh, just upgrade your system because you don't know how to install something like Linux and just live without Windows. You have to have Windows. So I guess it locks you into that choice of either buy a Mac, which is buy a new computer, or buy a new computer to use Windows. So, I mean, I guess I can see they're, they've, they've kind of won a losing battle. I mean, they, 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 they've kind of cornered you in that decision if you don't know really what to do. It is possible to go to Linux, and if anybody who is curious about how to do so, who isn't technologically savvy, uh, I insist, like, a ten, probably not even a 10-minute Google search would show you exactly how to install Linux and get it up and running. And I estimate somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, probably three hours. And it's 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 simple in a lot of ways, but also complicated in others. So if you follow a good guide made by probably the manufacturer of one manufacturer, the the designer or the creator of the operating system, like Ubuntu is the main popular one. If in theory you follow that guide step by step exactly as it says you'll probably be fine and if that one doesn't make sense i guarantee you there's hundreds of other guides online somewhere so if you really felt like you can't buy a new device to go to windows 11 then go with linux and it's going to be fairly easy as long as you put the time in and work in and expect you're going to have to learn a little bit it's not literally going to be windows 10 like you're used to or windows anything but it will be similar enough for users to get started on. And again, anybody who grew up on Windows and used Windows every day of their lives and really needs a Windows replacement, Linux Mint is probably the best way to go on that regard because it's 
especially I, I mean i'm not the only person who would say it it's so similar to windows and it has all its systems in place to allow the, the highest ease of use so it's either ubuntu or linux mint both are very similar installation processes it's just one or they have very different design elements if that makes sense so ultimately it's up to you a lot of situations and another nice thing about linux is that you can just install it on usb stick which is part of the installation process so you're going to do it anyway and when you plug it into your laptop or your computer or whatever you're plugging it into to install it on most of the time it's called it's something called a live boot and what that means is you can boot into the USB drive and use the operating system temporarily. It doesn't save any of the data or anything, so I wouldn't use it as a permanent workstation, but you can use it temporarily long enough to see if you like it, to look up like, or you can log into your email and you'd be fine and it, it won't save your login, but you can log into it, see how it works. Um, you can install a couple things on it or whatever and see does this work? Does that work? Uh, how do I do this? Where do I find it? And you can just kind of go around and take a little demo of the operating system before you do anything destructive. And if you don't like it, you can unplug the, you can turn off the computer, unplug the USB stick, and before you install anything, your Windows is still there. So that's really nice. Um, it is, it is indeed a, a great idea to have that live boot. And I would recommend if you don't know different Linux distros, go through some installation processes check them out on the USB sticks and just kind of try it out. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great recommendation in my opinion. And I'm not, I'm definitely not the only person who says that, that I, I've actually not been in Linux that long. And the short time that I have been, I'm already trying to recommend people to it because it's compared, especially if you're leaving windows for something like the telemetry or something and don't want to try to afford a Mac because you know those have ex extravagant prices. If you already have a working computer, Linux is a great option for especially the way that it's moving along. So I would definitely check it out. I'm gonna leave it there before I talk too much longer about uh, Linux specifically. And I'm gonna blow, blend right over back into processors where Intel is making some very bad decisions in my opinion. But hey, what am I, an electrical engineer? Of course I'm not. Um, Intel is scheduled for 2022 to start process. Or sorry, what is it called? The Sapphire Rapids Roadmap. Um, the new Sapphire Rapids processors are planned to start in 2022. And if I'm looking through some more of the information here, it's also going to be 10 nanometer. So I am not sure why Intel sticking with 10 nanometer, considering they just lost terribly to AMD this semester. This last quarter or last year or whatever you want to call it um as for why they're not switching to seven i don't i have no idea like they they should have the manpower they should have the budget for it i mean the fact of their engineers can't do everything forever with old i mean seven seven nanometer has been called state of the art not just by AMD, but by users of AMD. Seven nanometers is the way to go. It's the new technology. It's kind of like, um, it, it's it's like trying to say, oh, okay, so this six to ten year old technology kind of thing is not just usable. Yes, it's usable, but it's not competitive with anything. So they're not making anything new. They're just modifying it. It's like taking a, a decade old laptop and using it for work and saying. 
oh yeah, this is competitive with yours because yours is brand new. Intel's trying to compete. They're trying to say it's competitive, but it's not. It's actually a deck, actually, I don't even know exactly how old 10 nanometer is anymore, but it's, it's so old that there's basically no point in trying it anymore so they should move on in theory like like you know state-of-the-art equipment should be upgraded if you're going to call yourself state-of-the-art or attempt to call yourself state-of-the-art you need to upgrade your system there's no reason for them not to go with seven nanometer as far as anyone can see amd's already done it it works amazingly and uh, unless intel's not really planning on doing anything with C with their processors at this point it's kind of hard to say why they're sticking with it uh, the only thing that I know of that AMD, uh, that, sorry, that Intel has over AMD is Thunderbolt, but I'm pretty sure the size of the die does not, or sorry, the size of the lithography doesn't determine how Thunderbolt works. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not exactly sure why they're not switching, but they're not, and I don't, now there's, because I, I discussed, I, I don't remember if I discussed this in a previous episode or not, but Intel's new CEO was planning on or was explaining that oh yeah by 2022 we'll be at 7 nanometer uh who was it I, I don't know Lisa Spellman is the person who said this one but I, I don't understand where Intel's obviously I'm a big Intel fan uh, I have a 10900k in my system I've said that before but I, I want to see Intel come back as, as when AMD fans were watching as intel was kind of stepping on amd what five years ago or so yes they were saying the same thing they wanted amd to get ahead of intel and now amd is ahead of intel and it's, it's just this constant one-on-one -on -one race i want to see intel come back because it's just how competition will work and when i want to continue buying more intel stuff i want it to be state-of-the-art i'm not opposed to going to amd if i need to if, if Intel is not going to get their head in gear, honestly, there's no point in staying with Intel. But I, I I just want to see them come back again. I'm not sure why they're not. They were the best CPUs for going on 20 years. And now they're just kind of not... It doesn't seem like they're not really trying. Like, they're not putting anything in. Yeah, the future belongs to AMD and ARM. Intel needs to die. I, I'm seeing, like, comments and stuff around these... It's just... Uh, yeah... I don't really understand why they're not doing anything about it. Uh, oh, NVIDIA did something cool. What was that called again? NVIDIA did um, a new... What was that thing? AI Playground? How did this work? AMD did something recently where they released... Yeah, they released a bunch of AI stuff. But they did something along the lines of you could draw... Oh, was this it? I think I found it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the NVIDIA Research Gaugan. I can't pronounce that. G-A-U-G-A-N. And you can, like, draw, a, like, a landscape or something. And NVIDIA's AI technology will analyze it in some way. I'm not even going to attempt to guess how they do it. Um, they're gonna, They analyze it in some way, check where your lines are and what your colors are, and build a realistic... Um, painting after it or like a realistic landscape a, a photorealistic landscape out of a mess of a sketch like you can literally I've literally seen people draw just a super basic uh, blue background with a yellow bottom and like a couple white 
specks in the sky and nvidia's like ah that's an ocean with uh sand like like a, a beach with clouds in the sky and if you put like a black line it's a bird all of a sudden and nvidia managed that with just um ai and honestly i don't know who um is leading in in, in ai technology recently it seems like just about every company is trying to do something with it uh, I know Google is, I know Nvidia is, obviously, but, and there's a lot of other companies, but I don't know who is officially considered to be leading. Whereas Nvidia seems to have put it in just about everything, other companies, I think Intel has something to do with AI, but they seem to be not focusing very well on the topics at hand. Um, it, it, it feels like... Who is... Oh, leading AI companies 2020. Okay, NVIDIA, IBM. I see Salesforce. There's a few other companies here that I wouldn't recognize. I'm just seeing who else is in here. Microsoft and Apple. Well, I think even Apple surpassed Microsoft in some way. And I don't like Apple's AI technology at all, but Microsoft's is kind of trashy. But, I mean, NVIDIA with their AI technology has been ridiculous. The, at, at the rate of which we've come from basically... I mean, everybody makes fun of AI technology. Everybody does. Where there, there's constantly jokes online of there's a picture of a cat and, it th and the AI thinks it's a dog or a bird or something stupid or a fish. And those are always the jokes that people lead around to. And then they realize, or, or they don't, rather they don't realize that the AI that's in their phone or something or, on, or processing on their actual computer is not nearly to scale of what the world is actually achieving with AI technology, where we have, or where companies like Nvidia, or I think, I don't know if Tesla themselves are doing AI or if they're going through a third party. I, I don't know enough about that topic exactly. But these companies have massive servers at their, at their bases of operations with uh, massive amounts of data, more than we could ever fathom more more terabytes than you could ever buy or use in your lifetime worth of data of with Tesla driving information and with Nvidia it looks like we have image recognition and um, patterns but with their with their GTI or their RTX lineup I think they have something their DLSS uses AI as well to scan the scene with uh, of the frames and figure out what the next frame should be and then downscale it or no how, how does it work again? It, I, I don't, it's super samples. So it upscales to like 4K or whatever you're wanting, or, or in theory, whatever resolution you want from your actual rendered resolution. I believe that's how that works. And through that, just, just the amount of data that they have and the amount of processing, they're able to upscale um, video games at 100 frames a second plus. That's 100 images a second plus sometimes higher than that and return it so render it in real time as like the player in the game turns around render it display it to the screen and render the next scene before the next scene is technically ready like it's just the the speed at which they've done that and they've managed to do this on a graphics card that is the size like of of a book of a small of, of a thick book but it's kind of narrow and it just fits into your desktop and you can just plug it into your wall and just run it. And that's high-end compared to consumers, like people like you and me. But then they have stuff we can't even fathom, can't even imagine, might not have even heard of, in their actual systems, 
running these numbers and running calculations. Folding at Home was another big company about that where they used AI technology. And I think NVIDIA was alongside that as well, using their graphics cards and stuff for the processing of it. But Folding at Home was one of the bigger ones for for folding proteins to salt to cure things like cancer and more recently COVID-19. And the fact of not even 10 years ago, we didn't really have anything along those lines. We, we didn't have any decent AI or anything we could call AI. It was considered more machine learning. Whereas the difference between machine learning and AI is machine learning, well, of course, everybody's definition is going to be a tiny bit different or going to be probably even vastly different. My definition of machine learning and AI and the definitions of people I've discussed with in my, I'm going to call it adventures in IT because of the years I've put into college and the years I've put into research about this kind of stuff. I've always had this weird obsession with AI. I don't know why, but the, dif the difference between machine learning and AI is machine learning takes large amounts of data and finds a pattern in it, right? So machine learning of, uh, we'll say a car driving or something, or like of a person walking would be, it tracks how many steps are taken, how far apart the steps are taken, how fast the steps are, it takes in all these different calculations and doesn't particularly make decisions, but estimates the next one in the pattern, right? So it, it figures out, okay, so you've walked, so like you've walked three miles like this with this pattern and occasionally you deviate from the pattern, but that doesn't seem to, it's, it's like an out, like if you think of like a graph with like different dots on it, there's a bunch that are following a line and then one off the site. So that would be considered an outlier. It would probably ignore that. Whereas all the ones along the line, it would try to mimic those and find a pattern or a value that matches most of those on average and then kind of follow that. And that's kind of where machine learning has been stuck, right? Because that's what we've had for years. Machine learning of things like um, your, 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 uh, like your search history would be considered a very, very primitive version of machine learning. Whereas you go to google.com uh, three times a day, and then all of a sudden, the next time you, you open up your browser and you type G, all of a sudden it knows, oh, you're going to google.com because you go to Google all the time, or you go to AOL mail or Gmail or Facebook or something like that. And it starts to pick up on that pattern that you go to the site regularly and stores that somewhere on the computer or in storage that you go to the site often. But ones that you go to once a week, it probably won't really store or it won't store it for a long period of time or something. Uh, I've had recently, because I do software development, I regularly look up, uh, let's say this, like, like, because I program in PHP right now. So it looks up PHP documentation and this web, uh, this, um, what's it, web framework documentation like this these two different websites and my my testing website for my server that i'm hosting and this other site i look up like four or five different sites every time and it starts to realize that pattern and now if i'm just doing my normal schoolwork i open like google or something it recognizes that but it won't give me the tab of the next one so if i open a new tab and start typing it won't pick up on that really but if I have the first two open, it's gonna know I'm opening that other one. It's gonna it's gonna start learning eventually that I'm learning uh, I'm opening up several tabs, and that's kind of where machine learning has been. However, AI is where processing comes in. Well, I mean technically machine learning has processing, but AI is machine learning on steroids. We're gonna call it. 
because they both take vast amounts of data. Um, on a side note, I think Seagate released or shipped their third zettabyte of data or something like that last year or a few months ago. I'm not sure exactly what that was, but I think that's like... Uh, I want to say that's... Because a petabyte is a thousand terabytes. I think a zettabyte was a thousand petabytes or something. I, I might be I might be off about that. I don't have it pulled up right now. But anyway, so we've got about a zettabyte of data out there just from Seagate. Um, not to mention all the other companies that do hard drives and SSDs and wireless storage and all that stuff. So um, machine learning uses a ton of data and then finds a pattern in it and then makes a quote-unquote decision based on that pattern, which is usually based on some kind of condition. But AI uses processing to take similar data and instead of looking at the pattern of how to walk, it will look at a pattern of, oh, you moved this fast when you were in this pattern and you slowed down when you got to this pattern or something some, that's like an extremely basic version of it. But it looks at those differences and goes, oh, I can walk faster if I change my pace. And instead of looking at a pattern and using a pattern, it looks at a pattern and builds upon the pattern. It renders out um, different, usually that's why we have high processing servers, because it renders out different possibilities of things. It renders different like, okay, so if instead of let's say there's a pebble or something in the middle of the road, just as a, uh, just as an off the wall example, and you're walking along and you step on the pebble and it causes you to slow down for three steps. It's gonna realize that that pebble was there and it learns a similar way that human mind would learn of, I stepped up on that pebble, it slowed me down. I'm not gonna step on it again. It's gonna avoid it some, some way. And it's gonna learn from that data. It's not, machine learning doesn't learn per se, even despite having learning in its name. It can sometimes write, usually they have it so it can save data, like it can save its pattern and stuff and then it kind of uses that pattern, but it doesn't really go from there. It's not like a child or a, a, usually a human or an animal or something that will learn based on experience and it will learn to improve based on experience. It will just learn to act based on experience. Whereas AI will learn to actually improve upon that experience. It will learn to walk faster. It might learn to run. It might learn to uh, jump over a crack if needed or something. It, it might learn to dodge a tree branch or something in case it, it especially because it doesn't always look at a pattern based on, say, a path where machine learning requires more of that kind of data. But it will also take in its surroundings and things. So if you say it learned that stepping on a pebble made it made it made it trip and slow down it might also kind of realize that other rocks in the road or something will also do that whereas machine learning will realize at this moment there's a rock i should step over it it won't learn every time this rock is here or every time every time there's a rock similar to it i need to step over it whereas ai does that so ai is learning and improving machine learning is taking a pattern and kind of just going with it it's just taking instructions finding the efficient portion of those instructions and then working off of that which is the massive amount this is the massive difference and of course with that comes the different amounts of processing because obviously when you are just taking data and you're just crunching numbers and just finding a pattern or a we'll call it an average like like an average line of movement or something like that 
you don't need that much processing. You still need a lot, but you don't need that much. And that the, the amount of processing that you would need depends widely on the amount of data you have, obviously. But with AI, you're also generating other outcomes. Like it actually takes that and it starts looking at numbers usually, especially a smart AI, something like what would be in what I consider to be like a, a, a Google's AI or Nvidia's AI, perhaps um, definitely Tesla's kind of thing. And it kind of looks at future outcomes and goes, if I move here, this will happen. If I move here, this might happen. If I move here, this might happen. And it kind of picks the best route accordingly. And there's some um, algorithms and strategies to that, but it's it's also difficult to work with in the same in the same way, because um, there's a lot of there's a lot of other news on the same thing, but there's some complication with AI as well. It's learning, right? It knows everything in theory. It it it's all knowing. It knows all about its system. It can do stuff according to its own decision. It's literally artificial intelligence. It's not a script where you tell it turn left, turn right, move forward. Um, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's actually making a, a educated decision based on what it knows, which is where some people come into to the case of like, well, how do you turn it off? Well, in theory, you just have a big button, right? But usually you need, this is actually a, a common thought problem ever since AI started back in the early 2000s, but it's actually, it usually people's like, oh, you just have a big button or you have a switch somewhere, but then you have to tell the AI like in in its code or, or in in its under uh, in its um, basic like running script kind of thing, right? You have to tell it literally when this button is pressed, do this thing. Which typically in this case, if you press the button, you want it to turn off. But if you don't press the button, then you want it to go do its other task over here. So how do you tell it to both respect the button and respect its um, respect its task? Because if you tell, even me for example, if you tell me that like, okay, if you complete this task over here, you get five, you get $10, but if you uh, let me push the button on you, then I'm gonna, then I'll give you $5. Uh, or, like if you do something wrong and I, I, push, I, I tell you to stop, I'll give you $5 because you respected that I told you to stop. Why, why am I gonna go do the task? I just, I just have you turn me off or I just have you tell me to stop and you just give me $5, right? Or it, or if you think of it the other way, I want I want the full I want the full ten dollars. So I'm just gonna go do the thing, and I don't want you to tell me to stop because I want ten, not five. So even even in the human mind, it works a similar way. Of you have to think of how they're gonna think about that reward in some way, right? Because you're gonna want both the them to realize what they're learning for. Like I mean, and usually humans realize this, which is easy to obviously put this across because. Humans learn this by default, whereas a robot has to be told in some way to understand that it's learning. I mean, if, if with a human training for work or something, it's not as complicated as, okay, you get this reward if you do this right, and you get this uh, this reward if you stop when I tell you to or something, because obviously we don't work that way. We literally work in, you just, you learn this to learn it because you know it's good to learn it. Um, and if you learn it, then you get this reward of having the job kind of thing, right? So, I mean, in a, in a warehouse kind of experience, you're going to learn how to drive a forklift or something. And you're going to learn it because you want to slash need to learn it, not because 
you're necessarily getting a reward, which is the only way robots learn, or, or the only way AI would learn. AI doesn't learn the same way humans do, purely because of that similar kind of reason. Um, they don't really... how do I want to explain it per se? They don't really understand, obviously, that they're learning to get better. Like, that, that, that doesn't... There's, there's no you can't even say it that doesn't register in their head because there's not really a head their their mind is literally what people give it but it's hard for people myself included who have made mild attempts at this to think of ways or to practically think of ways to get this kind of point across where you're learning not because i'm telling you to but because it's good to and in this case if you do something wrong you need to stop when we tell you and you need to also complete this task. It's 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 difficult to get that point across because it's not like humans it's instinctual to learn. Children learn to walk and talk based on just what they pick up in the world. It's instinctual to learn that by now. Dogs do the same, horses, cats, everything. This every living creature learns based on instinct because it's been passed down through generations and generations, and that's just kind of how the mind that's always firing works. AI and Computers don't really work that way, so it's difficult to get that kind of idea of training AI to work, which is why AI is hard to say AI exists. It's more of AI development, which is advanced machine learning, where they've taken machine learning and put it on steroids, but they can't really call it AI because it doesn't exactly make its own choices. If it made its own choices, why would it stop? Like, like why would it allow you to stop it if Again, like we haven't gotten this point across yet of you learn because it's good to learn. It's more just we're giving in information and it's a very controlled environment because it has to be because if we somehow give it too much power, and there's a lot of other theories, if you somehow give it too much power, then you'll never be able to stop it, which is kind of, I guess, right and wrong. But I mean, it's kind of theoretical at this point. We haven't gotten far enough for that. But as a little preface, I suppose that kind of comes across and that was a long spiel about nonsense but <laughs> um let's see what else do we have because i mean that was kind of the difference but now i'm looking at uh more nvidia stuff and i remember that their 3080 ti dropped this was i want to say a couple months ago they, they've released okay so last fall right we got nvidia 3060 3070 uh, I don't remember if the 3060 came out. We had 60, 70, 80, and 90 of the 3000, of the RTX 3000 series from NVIDIA, which are the most powerful graphics cards on the, uh, to date, which, you know, that's kind of how flagship products work. It's, they get better every year in theory, um, Intel. Uh, <laughs> but, so the 3080, t the 3080 and all the, the, like, we'll just call them the standard 3000s came out last I want to say fall-ish, um, somewhere around there, fall, winter, I think, and immediately were bought out by, by the overstock, or the, the the loss of stock, rather, because they were priced so low. Like, the 3060 was priced at, I think, $400, and it was better than the, la than the previous set of models, which I think was the 2080 Ti, the 3060 beat somehow. It, it came out over top. But it was only $400 instead of the $1,500 the 2080 Ti was. So 
the fact that they've all been out for a while is still is still the case. They're still very much out. Um, I think uh, how much are these right now? Probably at least fifteen hundred dollars. If I look up like a thirty eighty or something, right? It's probably like fifteen hundred. Oh yeah, thirty eighty is two grand right now. So considering the thirty eighty was eight hundred dollars when it was dropped, and is now over two thousand uh, dollars. Graphics cards are kind of in low demand, and or sorry, in high demand. And the 3070 and 3060 Ti's released just a short while ago. I think it was 3060 first, and then like a month later, the 3070 Ti came out. But so now we have the Ti's of all of them, except the except the 3090 because that's unnecessary. Um, so we have a 3060, 3060 Ti, 3070, 3070 Ti, 3080, 3080 Ti, and a 3090. Um, with the 3090 being the absolute balls to the walls one that's ridiculously overpowered for what it needs, but again, nah. So when the I remember though when the 3070 came out, I don't it didn't hit big news for some reason. But when the 3070 came out, GPUs were in such high demand that people I think it was in Texas literally stormed into a micro center when they were announced to be in stock and there's footage of it from youtubers that were there i don't remember who it was that was there because i didn't pay attention um but they were in the back of the crowd as everybody's pushing into the front doors of this micro center desperate to get a th uh, these new 3070 ti's that are uh, out finally and they're not priced amazingly but when like they're not they're not amazing for the price compared to like a, just a 3070 or even bumping up to 3080 it seems it seems kind of like you should just go with one or the other as opposed to right in the middle because what what you get for what you pay for isn't a massive increase or loss it just seems like that justification of oh well it's only forty dollars more i might as well bump up to the next or it's only sixty dollars cheaper i might as well just go down to the next one and it's not going to be that big of a difference and it really isn't what i'm seeing on benchmarks so after that whole break-in thing, we're still getting benchmarks out, obviously, of these things. I just looked at these other ones. Um, 3090 comes out all the way on top. What game is this that they're testing on? I don't actually know. Oh, 13, oh, 13 game average. Okay, so 3090 came out with 151 frames on average. And this is, of course, on ultra graphics. I think this is 1440p, so this is like... Um, I'm going to say high-end average gaming kind of graphics right so it's like uh cranked uh detail texture graphics all that stuff so ultra but 1440p a lot of people don't play in 4k yet uh even i find it unnecessary even if you have like a 3080 to 3090 it'll handle it but now you have to have a 4k monitor which is going to be near a grand as well um where current monitors are around 300 dollars, and now you just spent three grand on a graphics card because they're all out of stock everywhere um and then it looks like the 3060 on high high got 77 on average, which is okay, actually. Um, 3060 Ti, wow, that one got almost 100. So the 3060 Ti is crazy compared to the 3060. It seems like a steal, considering it's a massive growth. Then you got the 3070, which is 110, so a little a little above the 3060. Where is... Oh, they don't have the, they don't have the 3070 Ti in here. Got 3080, which is 135, 3080 Ti, which is 147, and the 3090, which is 151. So, right there, that's another thing I wanted to discuss. 
the 3090 is not that much better than the 3080 and a lot of a lot of reviewers have said the same thing it's over twice the price yes but it's not over twice the price because it's over twice the performance what you're paying for is the vram so unless you're making a pixar film <laughs> you're not going to need a 3090 you could have a 3080 ti which i think is a grand msrp uh the 3080s 800 so that's about a so how much is that that's 11 12 ish frame per second average increase that's not terrible i suppose for another 200 dollars um but i wouldn't even recommend spending because from the 3080 to a 3090 you're getting 25 20 frames a second on average increase for what is that 700 dollars yeah no hang on 900 dollars 800 to 1500 i can't do math so, um, is that right? No, 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 it is $700. I was right the first time. So, for $700, is 20 frames worth it? Some people say no, some people say yes. Some people say yes just because they want the best of the best, whatever hardware they can get. Like, they'll spend four to five grand on a PC for bragging rights, which, I mean, they exist. And then there's people who make rational decisions and figure out that they're just going to pay the $800 for 3080 when it's back in stock MSRP in theory and have as good of a gaming experience as the guy with the 3090 is going to have. Um, again, the 3090 is expensive, but it's expensive for the VRAM on there. So unless you unless you know how to use it, or unless you're going to use that VRAM, um, I'll explain in a minute what that is. There's no reason to spend that $1,500 other than bragging rights. And then the worst problem is you can get two and put them in SLI, and they've been tested with the top-of-the-line CPU as well, and they get, I think it's like a 30 to 40 frame a second increase. So now... Instead of spending seventy dollars for, or sorry, seven hundred dollars more for a twenty to twenty-five average frame increase, now you're spending three thousand minus seven, sorry, three thousand minus eight hundred, because now you're buying two thirty nineties instead of one thirty eighty to get fifty frames a second more on average. So is eight hundred? Is that gap between eight hundred to three grand worth it for five grand? Um, or for for fifty frames? I don't know, uh, not to me, Sent to some people, I guess more bragging rights, because now I got two 3090s in SLI with hundred with 128 gigs of RAM and 16 cores. Again, it, it doesn't, a lot of the time, if you want to play anything, you can spend normally when graphics cards are in stock, 800 to $1,000. Maybe if you want to bump it up to 1500 and you can have an amazing gaming experience because of the hardware you can get. You can get 32 gigs of RAM, which is probably way more than you're gonna need. You could probably settle with 16, because 16 gigs of RAM is about $100. And CPUs, especially if you go Intel, especially old Intel, which is gonna be perfectly capable, you could get an i7 or even an i9 for that matter with I think 10 cores and amazing boost clocks, which is a two-year-old processor at this point. But compared to the, compared to the competition, I think it's only like $300. And the competitions for um, the same, what we're gonna say equivalent, is I think around 700 plus. So there you're saving $400, um, and you're gonna have the better, a, a more powerful PC uh, CPU than you're gonna be able to deal with for a decent amount of time. Um, $100 for gig for 16 gigs of RAM, 200 if you want to go to 32. Um, then you got 300-ish for the CPU. 
uh, 100 for a terabyte SSD, which is going to be more than enough. 100, uh, I, I settle for about 150 for the motherboard. And then uh, you can get a power supply to run everything for about 100 bucks. And they can go for like a 1660 or something, which is perfectly capable of running just about anything at 60 frames a second. You might not be able to run at ultra graphics, but a lot of games don't even need that. Because you're playing something like um, League of Legends which is a big one, Overwatch, which those on ultra graphics run on my 1030. So, hey, I mean, I have a one, I have a 16 year old GPU that runs a lot, that runs some games at ultra graphics and is 200 FPS. So, hey, um, but if you're wanting to play something like high end Call of Duty Modern Warfare, right? Like that's, that's extremely CPU intensive right now, but I've actually gotten to the point where my GPU is the limitation, the, the limiting factor. So if you want um 60 frames a second just go with like right now a 1660 or something or something along those lines i think there's people who still play with 1080s and get over 70 frames so a 1660 is going to be nearing probably i want to say 90 ish probably 80 90 um and again you might not be able to have the graphics absolutely cranked like everything on maximum which yeah but again, it's Call of Duty. It's a very fast-paced game. Why do the graphics need to be turned all the way up? I understand turning them up to a point. Yes, um, I play on low, like everything turned all the way down. And I get about 50 to 60 with my 1030. So that's pretty good. Um, except the graphics are all the way down. So it's not exactly an enjoyable experience. So if you turn them, say, to middle, like medium, everything, you're going to be able to run on that, on that 1660 with no issue. And now... With those things, I think 1660s are around $400 normally. But normally, not at, not at this moment because, of course, everything's stupid. Um, I think that'll run you a little less than $1,000 total. Uh, that's not taking case into consideration. But that's motherboard, CPU, GPU, RAM, storage, power supply. I think is a little under a grand if I did my math right. Um, or or right around it. it's like nine hundred to eleven hundred dollars total. Of course, that's MSRP. A lot of things, particularly SSDs, aren't that price anymore. They're about one hundred and fifty. Uh, power supplies have come up quite a bit, and GPUs have come up quite a bit thanks to all this Bitcoin mining and the um, silicon shortage. So, it's it's hard to buy for right now. It's hard to recommend, but I just wanted to give that little tiny build guide. Now, uh, I was going to discuss what the VRAM does. VRAM on a GPU is, I want to say, similar to the RAM on your system, like the RAM in your computer. You know how you buy a laptop or a computer and it's got 8 gigs of RAM, and that's how much you can have open or stored in RAM at a time, about 8 gigs worth of stuff, which is meh. It's, it's difficult to gauge about how much you need because everything uses different amounts. It depends on what you're doing. Usually the main recommendation for everyday computing is about 8. 8 gigs of RAM should be perfectly fine. Um, but VRAM is a little different because VRAM is usually less, right? Uh, and I'll discuss why that is in a second, but for the most part, VRAM on average on GPUs is, is only on GPUs, by the way. Um, it's typically on average about four to six gigs of RAM. And the reason it's six is I don't think there's any out there that actually have six. Um, it's more of it's between four and eight is about the average uh some have two some have 10 those are high uh, actually i think i don't think there's 10 i think it goes up to 12. i think it's two four eight twelve and then 
I think that's the highest. And now the 3090 has, I think it's 22 or 24 uh, gigs of VRAM, which is ridiculous. Most games recommend about four gigs of VRAM on your GPU. So when the 3080 has eight, I believe it has eight. Uh, let me check. Uh, 3080 VRAM. How much does this have again? 10. It's got 10 gigs of VRAM. So that's over twice as much as you're going to need for the average game. Well, why does the 3090 have 22 or 24? I don't remember how much that is, but it's somewhere around there. VRAM is not only useful for gaming, it's also very useful for rendering or something along those lines. But games use the similar engine, the similar idea. What it does by rendering is it takes the textures in your game or your movie or your uh, video or whatever it is you're, you're rendering out with that GPU and puts them all into VRAM out of your system memory, which is also unrelated, um, puts them all into VRAM and then the GPU turns through them with the onboard processor because GPUs have compute cores kind of similar to a CPU but a little different um, and they'll turn through that that the textures that are on that VRAM and they're stored in that so the more VRAM you can have the bigger projects you can take on usually from what I've known the average world had the average we'll call it editing world right where people do video edits regularly they might be making short animations or something have around 8 gigs of VRAM um, I think it was it was high end to have twelve, or or ten or something. It, it was around that around that around that uh, area, but now the thirty ninety has twenty two, so it's kind of crazy to think why you would need that much. But that basically means that you can use twice as much VRAM as you would have on any other project. So that upgrade is nice. However, again, most games use around four. You'd be lucky to use all ten of your thirty uh, of your thirty eighties. Um, VRAM playing a game on ultra graphics which is exactly why the 3090 does not perform that much better than the 3080 because the 3080 and especially the 3080 Ti are very 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 close to the 3090 in the sense of performance right so if you think of speeds and cores and how much like basically how fast they can calculate something how fast they can move through data um how fast they can render something right they're kind of similar they're 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 which is again why we're getting about a 5 to 20 frame a second increase depending if you're going from 3080 3080 ti or 3090 and that's also why when you have two 3090s in sli we were discussing earlier it goes to like from 150 what was it 150 where's that site at again it was from 150 to I think 170 or something like that. Like it wasn't that big of an increase, but that's the same reason because now you're just all you're doing is you're splitting that 3090 in two. You're not processing when you're playing a game. You're not processing twice as much because the game doesn't have to process it. It's just that you're processing the same amount that you would on one 3090, basically more or less split in two against two 3090s. So it's a tiny bit faster but not a whole lot faster. But now that you have those in SLI, now you have 40, 40 some, 40 plus gigs of VRAM. Again, I don't know if it's 22 or 28 or 24. I could just look it up and then me, then me. 3090 VRAM, how much do you have? Uh, 24, sorry, 24 gigs of VRAM. So if you have one, you have 24. And if you have two, now you have 48 gigs of VRAM, which is ridiculous for most any 
sets to be put together. But it's not going to help your gaming much at all. What it is going to help are video editors, animation makers. Again, if you work at Pixar, you're probably going to get two 3090s because you're making an hour, two hour plus film of textures and renders and 3D models and needing everything to be shoved into VRAM so it can be processed as quickly as possible. Now, is it possible to do renders with less? Yes. It will take longer, however, because anything that doesn't fit in VRAM will be put on your system memory. And that will work on filling that up, which typically that's cheaper because it's a little slower. Like it, it's quote unquote slower in the sense of VRAM. It's, it's kind of a different area, which is why it's so expensive. Um, so anything that doesn't fit, so if you only have four gigs of VRAM and your project needs six or eight, that extra will be put into memory and the GPU will process what's on it and then put it away into storage what's done or put it back into system memory, whatever's done and pull the stuff that needs to be done yet into the GPU and finish processing it. So there's a bit of handoff. There's a little bit of time difference in there. But that's what the VRAM is for. So if you have 48 gigs, you can have all of that on the GPU and your render goes that much faster. But the game is only using four to six of that. So it whether you have 10, 15, or sorry, 10, 16, 24, 48, 210 gigs of VRAM, you're not gonna be using any more than that six. So the only difference between the 3080, 3080 Ti, and 3090, for the most part, are the is the VRAM. Their cores and processing speeds and clock speeds are close. Like I think the th yes, the 3080 is slower than the 3080 Ti, but I'm pretty sure. Can I find the actual chart of what they contain? 3090, 30 yeah, they're right here actually. So architectures exactly the same. Process technology is exactly the same. Transistors is exactly the same. Die size is exactly the same. The CMs and CUs, I'm not exactly sure what those stand for. The 3090 has 82, 3080 Ti has 80, and the 3080 has 68, so 12 less. Um, GPU cores, looks like the 3090 has 10,000, the 3080 has 8,000, but the 3090 has 10,496 GPU cores, which is basically what it is, again, discussing, taking the textures, processing them, and doing something with them. The 3090 has 10,496. The 3080 Ti has 10,240. That's not a big gap at all. Tensor cores, 3080, 328, thir thir or sorry, 3090, 328, 3080 Ti, 320. Again, not that big of a difference. That's why there's a $500 difference between the 3080 Ti and the 3080 and the 3090. Because the 3090, all you're getting is that VRAM. That's basically it. Like, or act that's probably exactly it. I mean, again, there's there's tiny differences, but for the most part, it's it's mainly the same, and you're not really gonna feel that big of a difference. But, oh sorry, it's 1200. Okay, um, so it's a 300 difference, but the 3080 is only 700. So again, if you're gaming, technically the 3080 Ti would be your best, would be the highest end for gaming because yes, it has the most cores, the most processing, the most everything. But for the extra 300 dollars. The, the the literally two RT cores and eight tensor cores increase, the 100 GPU cores increase isn't gonna change much, which is why we saw that same uh, outcome in the benchmarks where the, 30, the 3080 Ti is basically right behind the 3090. Oh wait, here's the one at 4K actually. 
3090, 100 frames a second. 3080 Ti, 97. It's, there's a three frame uh, difference. And with the uh, 1440 Ultra Graphics, 3090 is four frames ahead. 1080p, 3090 is three frames ahead. So the 3090 is not that much better than the 3080 Ti, which is why I want people to understand, because I talked to too many people that don't seem to understand the difference. The 3080 Ti is basically the 3090 with half as much VRAM. And I'm not the only person to say that. If you look up other reviews as well, there's other people that say it's basically the exact same thing just doesn't have the VRAM on the back, which will also probably help the thermals that NVIDIA also had issues with, where the, the VRAM on the back of the 3090 was overheating sometimes because there wasn't a cooling plate for some reason. Um, wow, that's crazy. I didn't actually look at these numbers previously. Here's another one. Uh, 10 game average, 1080p, three, fr three frame difference. And then the 3080 is about 10 on average, 10 to 15 behind the 3080 Ti. So yes, 3080 Ti, best bet. Um, if you want top-of-the-line gaming um, and you're not looking to waste your money if you're looking to if you're looking at a 3090 you're basically just gonna be wasting your money for bragging rights if you are not looking for the VRAM for that purpose um, Wow I, I didn't actually look at the numbers, no, those numbers in detail before that's quite a bit closer than I originally thought it was I, I knew the 3080 with TI was close I didn't know it was that quite that close and this is actually from Tom's Hardware uh, information, so I'm going to credit them for these benchmarks. These are not my benchmarks. Uh, I appreciate Tom's Hardware for providing these to the public. These are actually great. Um, there's not a lot. There's not enough companies out there, or there's not enough organizations really that do this kind of stuff, in my opinion. Like it's it's really hard to find benchmarks sometimes, especially on like the differences of things. And there's big enough differences in companies like that that it's. It's worth putting the time into looking at things. And, I mean, that $300 difference. I mean, I guess you could just put your money into it. Oh, also here. Uh, 2080 Ti MSRP when it was released was $1,200. So the 2080 Ti is the same price as the uh, 3080 Ti. Which is a... The 2080 is like the three-year-old... 2018? September? Yeah, so three years ago. And looking at the numbers from the 2080 Ti, again, this is all on Tom's Hardware site. Just look up at the NVIDIA GeForce RTX 3080 Ti review. And there looks like they're about half the 2080 Ti. Most of its stuff is around half or I'm going to say about 20-30% less than the 3080 Ti. So I suppose if you're looking for GPUs to keep an eye on, uh, because again, there's nothing really in stock right now, or if there is, you're going to be overpaying. And I suggest not to overpay because if you do, then you're going to be wasting your money when everything comes back in stock because you spend two grand now and they're all going to come back in stock. And then, you know, that $2,300.3080 you just bought is worth $800. So congratulations on wasting $1,300 or so. I actually guess that's it for the episode. I, I was, that's the news of Intel, Windows, and NVIDIA and a light explanation on how GPUs, VRAM, and AI works. Uh, felt like a great show. I'll see you Saturday. Thanks for coming by.